Good morning, church. It is so good to be with you all. I have missed you this past month. I was traveling in the U.S., seeing family, friends, um, seeing Cody in New York, getting Maya settled in Southern California at university, and I have missed you all. I have missed being with you all, um, but had a wonderful time away. I've had people comment on my son that I received in terms of a little sunburn. I enjoyed the beach and uh, have enjoyed uh, the time to be refreshed, so... It's good to be back. Today, we start a new series, Why Do We? And why do we gather? Why do we serve? Why do we give? Really, these these basic elements of drawing together as church family. Now, why do we gather is what we're looking at today. And there have been challenges of gathering, of course, globally because of COVID. So that's why we're talking about that. But churches are not the only things that gather, right? You have family gatherings. You maybe had a mid-autumn festival celebration last night. Um, Different religions gather. We gather in the workplace. We gather because we know we need connection. We know we need one another. And yet, why do Christians gather? Why do we specifically gather is the question we're going to look at today. So let's pray. God, I pray that you just uh, use this time, God, to speak into our hearts, encourage, challenge, God, be near, allow us to hear from you this morning as we talk about connection. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay, so gathering has not just a current issue that the church has had on challenges of physical gathering. We read in this passage, Hebrews 10, 24, about their challenges And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So the writer of Hebrews is saying you need to meet together to be able to love one another. And for some reason, some people were stopped stopping the practice of meeting together. We don't exactly know why, but the speculation is, is because of persecution, that if they were identifying themselves as Christians, and even though they're gathering in homes, a very sort of private environment, they were worried they might be targeted. There might be a cost for this gathering. And the writer says, still gather. It's a part of our faith. It's an essential part of how we love one another. Because the commitment in our faith, is not just a commitment to Christ and what he has done and who he is. The Christian faith is also a commitment to one another. We're meant to be in a committed body of believers. Over 50 times in the New Testament alone, it talks about loving one another, serving each other, encouraging one another, praying for one another, submitting to one another. There's no way to get around it. We're meant to be in connected relationships in a community of faith. Togetherness was not optional. There's this idea of you're just you're committed and you're connected and you're together and you're journeying through life, journeying through your faith in these committed relationships. Now, of course, COVID has made that challenging these last two and a half years. And as the world exits from COVID, we're thankful for the ability to meet again. Not that all of those challenges have gone away, 
but perhaps it has been harder for us to do this. Worshiping together in person globally um, at churches has declined at least 30%. In Hong Kong, at the international churches, in-person attendance has dropped 30 to 50% in the last two and a half years, and that is not something we have been exempt from. And our council, we covet your prayers. Our council is getting away this weekend for our annual retreat. And that's one of the questions we're looking at. How do we do church in kind of this post-COVID environment? Now, lots of reasons why. People leaving Hong Kong, people maybe don't have their vaccines, people are nervous, um, people are in quarantine. I was on quarantine last week watching the service online. But perhaps it's also about getting out of the habit that weekly habit of joining together in person to worship. One of the habits I love to do is to exercise, to ride my bike specifically, and usually five or six days a week I ride my bike. On vacation in August, how many times did I ride my bike? Any guess? I think maybe two, right? I got out of the habit of exercise, and part of me knew I was going to scale it down a little bit, and you know, I had all sorts of excuse. There's not a bike, or even if there is a bike, you know, do I really feel like it? But anyway, exercise is something that I love, but it got easy to get out of the rhythm very quickly. And so as worshiping together in person is also something that we can get out of the habit of doing. Even though we know it's good for us, like exercise, sometimes we struggle to get back into that habit. So my encouragement today is that we are getting back into that habit of gathering together in worship. Online can be a great tool, right, for receiving teaching. Some life groups have connected well online, others not so well online. When there's a T8, it's great to have online. When you're in quarantine, like I was last Sunday, it was great to be online. If you're not feeling well, it's great to be online. But I want to encourage people to come back in person because there are things that can only happen if we are in person. We miss out on the fellowship. We miss out on the corporate worship. It's easier to become isolated and individualistic if we're only connecting in an online space. We see um, John in his letter, of 1 John, say it this way. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to you to make our joy complete. He's saying that when we gather together, we can proclaim to one another what we are experiencing in our journey and that we can have fellowship when we gather. This word fellowship we see a lot in Scripture. And the Greek here is this word koinonia, which means a shared togetherness, a shared purpose. It's not just coffee after the service. It's sharing with one another in life. You're doing something together that's purposeful. Any J.R. Tolkien fans here? Um, the Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Rings, right? When I first saw that title, I was like, what does fellowship mean? But it gets at this idea of koinonia. This group of people were on a mission together. They had a shared purpose together, and that was to destroy the ring. We have a shared mission and purpose together as well as we draw together in Christ. So we get to participate in that when we are together. See, our journey... 
in this Christian community is not just a vertical commitment to Christ. Our journey is also horizontal. It's a commitment to one another. As we have fellowship with God, as I have fellowship with God, and you have fellowship with God, we're meant to have fellowship together to share in that common bond of how we are experiencing Christ together. See, the Christian faith is not primarily a commitment to be a better person. It's not primarily a commitment of self-actualization. It's a commitment to Christ, and it's a commitment to each other. This is why it's expressed in our vision of love God, love others, love doing good. It's not love God by yourself, right? It's love God and love others, which means we need to be together in order for that to happen. Now, there are lots of different types of gatherings we have at community, the Sunday morning gathering and life groups serving together. And I've asked a couple people to share a little bit about why they gather. Let's watch that video now. Hi, I'm Charlotte, and what I'm about to say about why I gather is inspired by my small group. There are nearly 8 billion people in the world, and I am astounded by how each person can be made uniquely and in God's image. I think when we gather and get to know each other, we also get to know a different aspect of God's character and His extravagant love. Not only do we get to know different aspects about God, we also get to hear and share about each other's faith journeys, walks, and experiences with God. And this allows us to see the bigger picture of God's sovereignty and perfect plan for not only our lives, but our group's lives and even that of the world. Think about all the different names of small group that there are. There's house church, home group, life group, cell group, fellowship group, Bible study, and so forth. Though sometimes it may be confusing, I think behind it all, we can see people's heart for why they want to gather. And that's to have a warm, loving group of people to do life and share life together according to the Bible. That's why I gather. When I reflect on the importance for us Christians to gather, many things come to mind. But please allow me to share a few drawing from my experiences. First, it reminds me of what Jesus said in John 15, 12, which is to love one another as I have loved you. So we ought to get together as often as possible. I'm also confident that each time I get together with fellow Christians, it is bounded with mutual love. This love may be in many forms. It may be sharing moral, spiritual, and emotional support. It may be to motivate one another to love and to continue to do good deeds and encourage each other to stay on course. Secondly, we get together for us to connect and in turn connect with God. God said in Matthew 18:20, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. So through the sharing of stories or histories, wonderings or testimonies, often over meals, I have the honor to get to know my brothers and sisters in Christ even more. In these exchanges, I am privileged to hear more about God's evidence of love, mercy, grace, faithfulness, sovereignty, power, and more. Knowing that the gathering is God's plan with particular purpose 
I cherish the times I get together with fellow Christians. We also gather so we can learn with and from another and grow together. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. This way we can do what we ought to do. It is not an option or with any conditions that we Christians are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. As God's disciples, we serve as preservatives to restore spiritual health in the world. Through the reflection of the light of Jesus Christ, we are walking witnesses of the realness of Christ in our lives, and thus we ought to shine as light in the world. So when we gather, we too can shine our lights on one another and be each other's preservatives when needed. Thank you. Thank you, Mona, and thank you, Charlotte, for sharing a bit of your journey and why you gather. See, we get this encouragement from John that when we fellowship, God is with us in that fellowship. When we worship, God is in the midst of that. When we gather together, God is here. God shows up when we gather. God shows up when we gather. This is why one of the reasons why we have to gather. The Holy Spirit shows up, and the Holy Spirit does a work when he is here with us, something that if we open ourselves up to, he will gladly minister to us. And this happens on a Sunday morning. This happens when we gather in life groups. It happens in this person-to-person contact. Paul says it this way in 1 Corinthians 3. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? Now, when I was younger and I was being taught this verse, nobody ever told me that temple was plural, that the you there is plural. I thought I individually am God's temple. No, this is the church. You all, we all are God's temple. And in that gathering, God is in the midst of it. This is important for our theology, church, that God inhabits the gathering of his people. The Spirit works through the music, the message, communion, the fellowship time, the shine classrooms. God is at work in these places because we are the temple when we gather. And we see, you know, in Jesus' ministry, we see in the early church This gathering, this gathering, this gathering, they're all together in this. Now, they didn't have Zoom, right? They didn't have YouTube back in Jesus' time. You might think, well, they had to gather, right? They had no other options um, to gather. And we have lots of other options today, and those can be very helpful. Already, as I've said, when I was in quarantine, that was the only way to be with you all. And there are other good reasons why we might be online but let's not let that online option be a barrier to us and our connecting and our gathering in person. Let it not be something that keeps us isolated away from one another. Because the reality is, is you never know what God might do when you show up. You don't know how God might use you in the life of somebody else in the gathering. This summer, one of the places we were was in New York, and we were helping Cody and Bambi to find a church. And we found a church in uh, lower Manhattan that looked like a good fit for us. And the service hasn't started yet, and we're kind of getting ready. And Erica looks over to the other aisle, and she's thinking, that person looks like Ronald. 
And she's like, wait, he's dressed like Ronald. That has to be Ronald. And she's like, Ronald. And sure enough, Ronald, one of our worship leaders here, also served on council, um, was there. We didn't even know he was in New York. And we just both picked the same church to be at that moment. And it was kind of this wonderful reunion. That was not on our agenda. We would have missed out on that had we been online. The other opportunity that morning is I had a great conversation with the pastor and how he's doing church in New York and how are they dealing with COVID and what does that look like? And these personal connections are really hard to happen if we're only online. So you never know what God might do in this place. Ephesians 2, Paul says it this way, So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Paul is reminding the Gentiles that they are grafted into this family. They are full members of this family. They are not outsiders anymore, and yet they're to be insiders. And together, we are God's family. When we gather, we are God's family. Now, today's culture of individualism just encourages an isolation or being a nomad. Perhaps having a faith that's disconnected from actually having a connection with community. The early church would not have had a concept of being a follower of Jesus individually outside of a communal reality. And yet, I have talked to some people today that that is where they are at. Robert Putnam, who is a professor at Harvard, 20 years ago wrote a book called Bowling Alone. Bowling, you know, like you throw the ball down there, bowling alone. And in the book, he, he graphs and, and studies how over the last 100 years of, in the U.S., there initially was a big commitment to social groups, to bowling teams, right, to civic groups. There was high commitment and high sort of social capital that was created in those commitments. But over the last 50 years, how committing to a group has decreased more and more as the individual's pursuits and time take more precedence. So now there's not so many bowling teams that are happening. The people go and bowl when it's convenient for them at a time that works for them. And there's not as much need or desire to to set aside their schedules for the team's schedule. Robert Wuthnow, who's a professor at Princeton, a sociologist there, um, applied some of the similar research to religious communities, and he looked at the, the waning level of commitment to other people, and he puts it this way. He says, this philosophy says, come if you have time, talk if you feel like it, leave quietly if you become dissatisfied. Think about the church being God's family. Think about your own family. Would this philosophy work in holding your family together? Would it work in creating a close-knit community? No, no. And it's not God's heart for us as God's family to experience that as well. The church is significant. Gathering together in person is significant. We see how significant it is for Jesus. As Paul tells the Ephesians, he says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. We might think of Jesus dying on the cross for us. Paul is saying, and that's part of it, 
that he gave his life up for the church so that we could be the body of Christ, so that we could be his temple, so that he could work in our midst, and that's his heart for us. Almost every time the word church is used in the New Testament, it's identifying a local, visible gathering of God's people together. It had been three years since we'd been back to the U.S., and of course we stayed in contact with friends and family back there, you know, on phone calls, on Zoom, on messaging, and all those were, we were grateful for that technology that we could maintain that connection, but none of it could replace being with them in person, right? Giving somebody a hug, sharing a meal together, praying for somebody in person, Right? Sharing life. Technology is great, but let's not let it be a barrier for us in gathering as a community. When we gather together, we get encouragement. We get motivated. We might not just be receiving on a Sunday morning. We might be giving to somebody who needs something we have, a gift we have, maybe a prayer for them, maybe a warm smile. Maybe you have had a great week and you're like, oh, I don't really need encouragement. Um, I don't really, you know, I had a great time with God yesterday. I don't really need church today. But you don't know what God might use you for to minister to somebody else. I know that I've been ministered to many times by those who came, and I'm so glad they came and I could receive their ministry. Because when we gather, we help one another grow. We're meant to be encouraging each other, sharpening each other, helping each other to grow closer to God. Many of you know my journey as a young teen. I went away from God. I was angry at God. I was angry at um, hypocrisy that I saw in community. And yet there was something pulling me back to God. I knew that meant I had to come back into community, come back into to youth group, and yet I was looking around at everybody else and judging them in my heart, right, and struggling to connect, and yet knowing I needed to be there. I had mixed motivations for coming back to church, and maybe you do too. I mean, initially, there was this crisis of faith, but coming back was also, I was very lonely. Like, I was like, I need some deeper friendships, And that was part of my motivation. Another motivation, and don't judge me, was was donuts. I love donuts. This summer, you know, I was in the land of donuts, and I only had one. It was a cronut. It's this croissant donut combo. Have you guys had this? I only had one, but man, it was good. Anyway, we had weekly donuts at youth group, and it was just one of those encouragements. And maybe you guys have no Sunny, and she would make these baked goods every week. We haven't been able to enjoy, and you're like, man, no Sunny goodies? I'm not there this morning, right? But the donut ministry was, was you know, fruitful one for me because there was one person that was put in charge of bringing the donuts every week to youth group. Any questions, any ideas who that might be? She's sitting in the front row, my wife. <laughs> was in charge of the donut ministry, so I I got to know her well. The point is, is we might be here for all sorts of reasons, but when we show up, we give God the chance to work and to minister, to surprise us, to surprise us on how he might use you to minister to somebody else. 
We create space for God to work. We need one another because we can see into one another. We can draw things out of them that maybe they don't see themselves. Maybe it's affirming somebody that God loves you. Maybe you're in a place right now where you can't see that. Maybe somebody needs to just be reminded that they are not alone in this. There are ways that God allows us and encourages us to bring the good things out of one another. C.S. Lewis says it this way. He says, in each of my friends, there is something that only some other friend can fully bring out. This is what can happen in the body of Christ and needs to happen. It doesn't happen on its own. It takes work to make this happen. We get a picture of the early church in Acts 2. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. All the believers were together. Every day they continued to meet together. They ate together. We see this glimpse of togetherness in the church. How they did togetherness. Now times have changed, right? Right? But the togetherness is still crucial and fundamental to how we do our faith. I think the church has the greatest potential for togetherness. We're not a group of perfect people. We're a group of people that want to be authentic, that are trying to follow Jesus, that know his grace, or trying to extend his grace. We have an ability to be that to one another if we press into it, if we open ourselves up to it, if we allow us to go beyond ourselves, to remember it's not just about us, but it's about what God is doing. It's about how God might minister to us, but might also minister through us to one another. See, these first century Christians knew they were a part of something bigger than themselves. They weren't just going to church to become more self-actualized, right? To be happier as a person. They were going because they were a part of what God was doing in their lives and in the world. And he has the same call to us today. There is power when we gather because God is in our midst. There is power here in being the body of Christ The Holy Spirit shows up and moves us beyond ourselves to receive and to minister. And we have that chance today to do that. Those of you that are in person, um, I want to give this next verse as an encouragement to you that we would encourage one another And this is where you get to be involved in this. Because when we gather, there is encouragement. On each of your seats is a card. And this card is an encouragement card. As you notice, it's blank right now. You're like, where's the encouragement in that, right? This is where you come into play. Um, What I would love for each of you to do um, is to write an encouragement on here. might be a Bible verse. It might just simply be know that God loves you. Um, and what I would like you to do, um, think about it, write something down, is to bring it up front here um, to the baskets. We have some extras from the first service. We also had a Spectrum Youth write some of these on Friday night. 
And we get to encourage one another. And sometimes that just happens organically. And sometimes we need to be specific about how we can encourage one another. So this is one of those specific ways. After communion, you'll each have the chance to come up and pick up one of these cards to pray that God will bring you to the right card that's the encouragement you need today. Does that make sense? If you need a pen, the ushers can bring a pen to you. So think on what encouraging word you might have today. I also want to um, have this time be a ministry time with our prayer ministers. As I was praying through this morning, um, this service, I thought, you know what? There's some people that are here, and they've done everything they can to show up. Or maybe they're online because they've been wounded by community. Maybe they felt isolated or excluded, or maybe, you know, it's happened here, or maybe it's happened in another place, and it's hard to be in a community for you. And so I want to give a chance for our prayer ministers um, in this time to pray for you. If you're feeling isolated, you know what? I'm not connected. This is the prayer I needed when I came back to church. I was feeling very isolated. Maybe you have been hurt. Maybe you've been excluded. I want you and invite you to come forward to be prayed for. But maybe you're praying for somebody to be connected. You're praying for somebody that they might show up. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a spouse, a child, a parent. Um, that you want to see them be a part of a gathering. I'd invite you to come up and to have re- and receive prayer for that loved one of yours. Okay, church? Um, I'll be up here as well to pray, but I'd like to invite up our prayer ministers now. And as you have written your reflections or your encouragement, bring those up for the basket as the worship team plays.